Welcome back to the Green Element podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I can't wait to meet our guest today and help you on your journey of sustainability. Rocks, welcome to the Green Element podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am really looking forward to, um, I guess, delving more into Cafe Direct and what it is that you guys do from a sustainability point of view. I mean, yes, you are actually, you are a client of ours, which is amazing and awesome. But so therefore, I do know a bit more about your organisation than I normally do when I interview people. But saying that, I also know what an amazing organisation you are and what you actually have achieved over the years that you've been around. And that's the bit that we want to try and draw out and pull together. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Will. Yeah, very excited to um, uh, to be here um, and to uh, be involved in your, your series. Um, we are really excited because I think Cafe Direct, particularly um, at the moment, um, we're actually being advertised on telly, which is our first ad campaign in 10 years, um, oh, wow. which is pretty incredible. Like, honestly, watching Channel 4 after 24 hours in emergency and suddenly you see Cafe Direct advert and Machu Picchu and the, you know, the mountains rise and it's uh, it's incredible. So, no, it's a very exciting time for Cafe Direct, um, despite all the challenges. Um, but, yeah, very happy to to talk a little bit more about our impact. Because you've been a massive drive, would it be fair to say, a driving force within the coffee um, industry? Because you, you, I mean, you really are a trendsetter as an organisation. Um, yes, I mean, obviously a little bit biased here. Um, <laughs> being the uh, sustainability communications manager. Um, but no, seriously, yes, uh, we are. Because... I think because of how, um, I think it's always important to look at how companies are formed and who owns companies to really understand um, their kind of intentions. And Cafe Direct was formed in 1991 by four UK charities in response to the international coffee crisis, where the markets just suddenly plummeted, which meant that lots of coffee farmers that were obviously relying on um, coffee as part of their income. Uh, it was costing them more money uh, to make the coffee than it was than they were receiving it so sorry I've explained that badly <laughs> but essentially uh, the impact was was felt kind of globally um across across the coffee um countries and um Oxfam twin trading equal exchange and tradecraft came together um as a response to find essentially to start a kind of direct trade like a way to actually support producers by selling coffee here and, and in other countries but predominantly UK then um, and then pay a fair price directly um, and that that was a really interesting turning point to trade oh my goodness so sorry I've got a small um small beagle puppy that's keen to join in on this conversation Brilliant. So Cafe Direct was set up in 19, the early 90s um, by four different charities. And from what uh, I know, you really have, and I guess I don't want to say control, but um, you buy off um, the farmers in, say, Peru, 
um, because you just talked about the Machu Picchu um, adverts. And um, you cultivate that um, crop, pulling it in and then distribute it to the, the customer in the UK or wherever they are in the world. Mm-hmm. And by having that authority over your whole supply chain means that you are able to pay a much fairer price. Mm. Um, does that mean that the um, Peruvian crop um, farmer it only sells to you or can they actually can they sell to other people? Oh, yeah, no. So part, part of our um, ambitions, really, so our whole mission is around empowering smallholder growers to improve their livelihoods. So part of that is that we... Um, we want smallholder farmers to be able to diversify their business um, and that means by selling to other customers as well as us so no one exclusively sells just to Cafe Direct um, and so that's um, and then just to pick up as well we um, so Cafe Direct over so uh, next year we will have been trading for 30 years um, and going back to my earlier point, so we were set up really as a social enterprise. So that means we, we reinvest our profits into our mission, which is empowering smallholder growers. And um, partly uh, that comes from us because of our because of our mission and our ambitions um, for smallholder growers. We we've always worked quite differently. So um, another consideration is that we were one of the first UK uh, coffee companies to certify. 100% fair trade products. So in 1994, so 25 years ago now, um, we, uh, I believe we were the first roast and ground coffee company to be certified fair trade. And and it was about uh, paying what what's fair. So um, <clears throat> the cafe director at the moment, I, th- I think the challenge is, is that there are a lot of different factors that obviously make... Um, <laughs> makes sort of supporting growers quite challenging um, and, you know, and it always has been. But one of the sort of consistent ones is the volatility of the stock market. So um, because coffee is sold as a commodity, um, it, it can change, you know, at, every, at any given day, the price can be different. And for anyone running a business, I mean, you run your own business, Will, um, you know, <laughs> as have I in the past. And... Um, and I, you know, and I think everyone appreciates that the ability to be able to um, predict your income and have a little bit more control over that is really essential to invest in your in your business. And it's the same for smallholder growers, um, be it coffee, tea, cocoa. Is you you need some sense of stability around your income. Um, so, um, in terms of cafe direct, being fair trade means that we pay a minimum of one. $1.40 per pound um, and in addition to that we pay an additional 20 cents which brings it up to one sixty. Um, and then we now source over half of our coffee is organic certified by the Soil Association and then on top of all of that that takes us to one ninety. bear in mind that when I last checked the market it was it was about 104 so you can see that we're kind of approaching almost double um, and then we also make an investment in a charity that we set up um, 10 years ago um, called Producers Direct. Before that, they were called Cafe Direct Producers Foundation. 
Um, and essentially, they're really innovative. They're independent to us, but we we fund them. So, Rox, um, Producers Direct, um, they are a subsidiary of Cafe Direct, aren't they? And um, could you tell us more about them, please? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, not so much subsidiary. So um, when Cafe Direct was founded, we had uh, a charity called Cafe Direct uh, Producers Foundation. So we donated money to support growers. And then in 2009, Producers Direct was formed with its own board um, and it's an independent charity. Uh, but we continue to invest money uh, into Producers Direct annually. And Producers Direct are really interesting because they are grower-led, really, as, a, as an organisation. So that means that smallholder growers sit on the board, as they do at Cafe Direct, um, and they really help inform kind of what's actually needed on the ground to make a difference um, to uh, smallholder growers' sort of livelihoods, but also just their quality of um, of life and development in terms of business and uh, accessibility for young people and and women uh, to um, be involved and, and make a kind of independent economic living as well so uh, they do some really interesting projects um, including the kind of buzzword at the moment in sustainability if I may um, <laughs> seems to be around um, restorative landscapes and right. um, I kind of I feel like I hear that a lot from other um, FMCGs and again from just the style of how Cafe Direct works we've been working with Produce Direct um, on a project in the northern part of Peru, so Norandino Cooperative, and basically um, helped support a small community and to incentivise them to plant a whole load of trees to support the soil, but also to kind of set up a relationship between this community and a coffee co-op Norandino below. And um, that happened over 10 years ago, and it's interesting now that... um, just from that kind of thinking, I, uh, right, you know, right from back then, how we seem to be slightly ahead of that sense of um, looking at regenerative agriculture and, um, yeah, restorative landscape as a way to sort of support communities. So that was a bit of a tangent. Um, but yeah, so producers are out there. They're brilliant. They've actually worked, to give you some stats, um, over the last 10 years, they've worked with over 1.3 million um, smallholder growers and their communities um which which is incredible and also oh, over the last 10 years they've increased um the average smallholder growers income by 50 percent um wow so they yeah they're... so having them on board is it gives you a more of a holistic view of the whole um you know everything within your supply chain isn't it it's it's a bit like um, VW have. I mean, it's not really the same, but it is kind of same principles. It's a bit like VW having. Um, I think they've they had a teenager. They've put a teenager on their um, board um, because they wanted to understand what future of mm. um, you know people look like. So it's it's that kind of very different, but kind of same. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I I can see that at a stretch. Definitely. Yeah. Having um. Considered a stretch. That's very <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! I love it. <laughs> I'm going to keep going there. Um, but you've just given us some statistics about um, about producers direct, which kind of feeds us quite nicely into a um, your impact report, which mm-hmm. you produce 
on an annual basis. Um, would you like to just pull some information out of that for us so that we can start to understand the impact that you guys have? Uh, sure. Yeah. So, um, so it's been quite exciting. So probably like quite a few companies, um, it seems to be around sort of May, June, July that um, we've kind of got the opportunity to reflect back on the year that's gone. Um, so for us, yeah, 2019 is, is what we were focusing on, what we've been talking about recently. Um, some interesting kind of areas of impact. So since 2004, we've contributed over £19 million worth of impact. To put that in slightly more useful context, that means just from last year, um, we made a profit of um, just over a million pounds, so million and 200, something like that. And we invested a million of that back into impact. And so therefore our profit was only around 200K. Um, so that sort of shows you genuinely how committed we are as a social enterprise to invest monies back into um, impact. And really that's broken down into three key areas. Um, so one is um, through fair trade that I mentioned earlier. So um, the premium, that 20 cents per pound, really adds up. <laughs> so um, over a slightly longer term, so 2004 to last year, um, we've invested over 10.6 million pounds in fair trade premiums. And what that really means is it's an opportunity for co-ops to choose themselves how best to spend that money. Um, so whether it's... Um, improving quality because they're buying um, a new washing station to wash their coffee um, and it's much better and everyone can benefit from that or um, investing in um, sort of infrastructure uh, the sort of things that we're probably familiar with like water projects and um, schools uh, buildings that sort of thing um, and then there's quite a lot of sort of softer skills so more sort of um, training on how to kind of you know, um, assimilate other people and, and to support them through that journey of how to um, share and and collaborate on best agricultural practice, those sorts of activities. Um, we've also invested money um, through purchasing organics. So last year, a headline um, for us is that we uh, now source over half of our coffee is certified organic by a soil association. So, Will, I mean, you'll appreciate as uh, you know, running Green Element, an environmental consultancy, that investment in organic um, can have and, really interesting impacts. <laughs> yeah, and so what are those impacts? So, I um, is the quality better because it's organic? Um, because you do hear that the quality doesn't necessarily change, um, and. I mean, what are the ramifications of having organic? It's obviously a good thing because Cafe Direct has gone for it, but it'd be interesting to know what what the good um, reasons are. Yes, so I'm very conscious that it's going to be Organic September as a campaign next month in September. Um, I think um, organic is this one will of the be going out. This will be going out after probably you've put out an awful lot of information, so don't worry too much about that. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Um, yeah, organic is... The reason why I'm hesitating is because I feel like organic is one of those um, hot topics that lots of different people, probably much better informed than myself, have uh, quite strong opinions on. Um, obviously, just speaking from Cafe Direct's perspective, um, we understand organic, uh, well, 
it's partly informed by cooperatives. So um, as, as I keep mentioning, we our core mission is to empower smallholder growers and improve livelihoods. Um, as important as that, really, uh, because they obviously go hand in hand, is supporting the ecosystem and, and the environment around that. And so um, a lot of the coffee co-ops that we source from, so we currently source from 20 coffee cooperatives directly, um, they have been using methods that would uh, qualify for them to be selling their products as certified organic, but not all of them are able to afford to pay the um, the fees to be certified. Um, right. But but a lot of them actually have been in practice are doing the sorts of things that you need to be to be certified organic. So, for example. Um, that means sourcing kind of local natural inputs. Um, so rather than relying completely on artificial fertilizers that can be expensive to buy in um, and and transport, because obviously with a lot of the coffee co-ops that we source from there, um, grown at altitude on quite steep hillsides. Um, and, you know, logistically, it's quite challenging to... <laughs> Uh, to farm um, and the whole wonderful thing around smallholders farmers as well apart from that they uh, provide 70 percent of the world's um, food <laughs> is that they um, you know they're kind of family run uh, land so generally speaking about two football pitches worth of um, kind of uh, land uh, that they're farming so anyway so going back to organics so um being able to kind of invest in your land is key to your profitability. Um, it makes commercial sense. And um, so, yeah, the shorthand to organic is that you're trying to use yeah, natural natural inputs. Um, you are, yeah, it, it means that you're trying to create an ecosystem where other diversity can kind of flourish. So that might be in that you're not just growing monocrop, but you're intercropping and so you've got food that you're growing amongst like the coffee cherries so that you can benefit and sell it locally and it's a, an additional income for your family as well as selling coffee um, and that sort of diversity in your um, planting means that you've got more nutrients in the soil which attracts different wildlife um, because of the variety and, and so on so it's kind of building, I see it's building up a kind of picture of good health by yeah, yeah, you know, got it. Yeah. providing all the different inputs. Um, there right, are different right. regenerative right. strategies um, around and, and it also depends on the actual crop. So whether you're talking cotton or tea, I think is, is quite a different um, approach to coffee. But yeah, from a coffee perspective, as a shorthand, we feel like it's it's a positive step to respecting our environment. And that is part of our kind of longer term strategy is to make sure that we are, um, yeah, approaching things in a restorative way and, uh, yeah, not depleting. Okay. That makes, I mean, that makes complete sense. And I mean, this is, uh, this question um, is about carbon footprinting and I know that you're undergoing carbon footprinting at the moment because we're helping you do that so i'm not going to ask you um you know what 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 
I'm interested to know is what are the drivers for that carbon footprinting? And I think I'm asking you this because I think that it's useful for other companies to know what why the reasons why you are carbon footprinting as an organization, because, yeah, I'm not going to put words into your mouth. Mm. No, thank you. So, well, we, we did a carbon footprint in 2014 um, and uh, Cafe Direct went through some some sort of changes I think it was it was quite a tough time for the company sort of um the last few years um and that meant that Cafe Direct has to concentrate on sort of um yeah sort of key activities for the business um and then the last couple of years um we um sort of yeah our kind of business came through again and was becoming sort of profitable again and um just sort of tracking really well um and and with that there's an opportunity to sort of focus again and just on uh on sort of looking at our just really our environmental impact as well as and carbon is kind of one measurement of that um and really it's driven the drivers is because we have aspirations over the next 10 years like lots of companies that have been sharing their targets and um, so Cafe Direct as well, we have something called the gold standard, which is our sustainability strategy over a 10 year period. So um, I was involved in kind of looking at where we'd got to and kind of what we want to be doing over the next 10 years, aligned with the sustainable development goals as well, of course, that also run to 2030 at the moment. Um, and I think, uh you know, as I keep saying, Cafe Direct's always been pretty innovative. You know, we were the first UK coffee company to be certified a B Corp in 2018. You know, prior to that, we were one of the first companies, like I've mentioned, to be fair trade um, and, and all those sorts of things. So I think we tend to look at doing the right thing first. And that seems to make sense um, for us, but also as our, as our business model. Um, and of course, you can't ignore the environment. I mean, in terms of the supply chain, when you're looking at security of supply and making sure that um, coffee farmers and tea farmers and cocoa farmers have livelihoods, um, <laughs> you have to look at ways of um, supporting uh, them through, you know, I'd say quite radical action. And radical action, I think, um, means taking responsibility as a business for you know, your entire supply chain. Um, and that includes looking at your impacts, both positive and negative. Um, and then also being transparent about that process and and inviting others, encouraging others in your sphere of influence, which for us is, you know, coffee. Um, so other coffee companies in the UK, but also we've got a community in Europe and we've got a community in the US um, and so on to... Um, yeah, to really advocate for two things. And I think our big focus is around um, living income, which is uh, essentially looking at what farmers need to actually live on and have some money left over after the cost of production, because I think there is still a huge disparity because it is so complicated country by country what that actually is so almost the equivalent to working out what the London living wage is for example but doing that <laughs> with all the other factors and then simultaneously in terms of the environment is being able to help protect um people's livelihoods and you know we've already seen this year this year which obviously has been dominated by 
COVID, but just prior to that, um, some of our cooperatives were, were massively affected by heavy rainfalls and flooding and lost, you know, property and um, crops and, you know, uh, and other implications from that too. And that's a regular, um, sadly, a really regular occurrence and something else that Cafe Direct can't solve by itself, but really wants to be in a position to um be collaborative and work with others to do that, um, including producers direct, but also other coffee companies. So very circuitously, sorry, it's a very long answer, but I think um, in terms of our ambitions around climate, we've become um, very aware of the conversations um, in different communities that we're part of. So whether that be social enterprise, fair trade, B Corps um, and the industry, as to looking at ways to... Um, yeah support growers and I think the ambitions um, that were you know we were looking at we were looking at in terms of COP26 for example this year um, and also ambitions that are coming through in the UK from retailers so Tesco's for example um, have been really uh, vocal about their ambitions for um, like recycling for example and wanting lots of uh, brands that they sell to to adhere to kind of as more widely uh, recycled packaging etc that can have a huge knock-on effect um, and and so there's an appetite for it I mean that that's a different conversation that's around I suppose zero waste but looking at the drivers it's really just so we can um yeah be we want to be forward thinking and we um, and we are concerned about yeah the impacts of of climate events and and manufacturing and on on our planet <laughs> so um yeah and so also to add to that so i'm gonna get very animated now but now that cop 26 has moved to next year um i think there's a real opportunity in the uk over the next now you know 12 months we've got 12 plus months um, to really pull together and and we're noticing Cafe Direct noticing much more this kind of even cross-industry interest in trying to again share sort of knowledge and really be genuinely collaborative on how we can you know make better decisions collectively around you know packaging um, manufacturing how, how we really do these things much better so that we can meet these targets um, but you're in a position, aren't you, Will, to explain sort of the benefits from your perspective of... Yeah, and no, I think the benefits are very different to every company because it depends on the drivers that um, are, you know, drivers being uh, what are the reasons for an organisation to do their or complete a carbon footprint. And sometimes it can be as simple as actually that's what people in the staff want or our suppliers are wanting it of well clients more clients really because you're a part of a supply chain so for example if you are selling to tesco's then tesco's um do notoriously ask quite a lot of questions about sustainability um i, I would cynically say that in the past nothing was done about it so they had all this information I, but i actually think that we're starting to see a growing trend of information being gathered by larger organizations and actually un- wanting to understand what their um, suppliers are doing and how it is that they can help them. And um, because we're seeing much more of a common theme amongst organisations of carbon reporting and 
completing environmental management holistically because um, all parts of the business, stakeholders, shareholders, which would incorporate absolutely everyone, um, are wanting to work or you know be a part of an organization that is more sustainable and let's face it a more sustainable organization is more likely to last the long haul now and we're seeing massive growth within purpose-driven businesses um, so B, the b corps and the like and um, organizations that um, are putting sustainability at the forefront are seeing um, growth that outstrips organizations that are not putting those sort of mission-led parts of the business in the forefront Mm. yeah again i think it's it's challenging for the bigger businesses um as in you know the unilevers etc to kind of um it's like turning a massive cruise ship round, isn't it when you're not really built with sustainability necessarily at your core as a, as a driver for your business um, to kind of get on board with it now, um, which is fantastic. It's one of the initiatives that are happening is, uh, is it, I think is quite different experience to some of the startups that are quite new and certifying as B Corps and are really having to integrate sustainability right from the beginning as to how, yeah. how they're operating. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I think you said that much more succinctly than me, Will. Um <laughs> Not really. I think this is the reason for the podcast is not to listen to what I think it's or what we think at Green Element is much more about what you think, because um, it is companies like you that um, we try and aspire to. And I think that it's really important to listen to what other people are doing and what's driving them and why they're doing it and how they're doing it, because that's how we can better ourselves and um, get better at being sustainable. Um, I think. I've got one of my final questions mm-hmm. is around COVID. Um, and you mentioned a COVID project at the beginning of this. Yes. It would be interesting to just understand what you, know, what you mean, uh, what, what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, thank, thank you for asking about it. So um, probably last month we held uh, a webinar, sort of industry-led to be invited, um, British Coffee Association, retailers and um, sort of all people that kind of touch supply chains not just coffee um to understand some of the impacts that coronavirus is having on smallholder growers and uh, specifically in latin america because from cafe direct's perspective we've uh, we source over half our coffee from peru um, and producers direct um, as i've mentioned before have um people on the ground there um got projects running there and um were um very kind of aware of, of some of the impacts that were happening and um and producer direct have been working with um really interesting organizations including mercy core agrifin um a design agency called ido and others uh, to create a really um clear set of materials to help um, smallholder growers understand how to protect themselves from coronavirus because part of the um, part of the problem, and it's the same here, isn't it? And you know, false news and myths and all of it, um, and how quickly that information can be shared and not necessarily be true. 
uh, there's a similar challenge um, affecting producers um, with misinformation being shared on WhatsApp groups and so on. So, for example, one of the myths, which I find, to be honest, the most shocking, is that um, if you wash your coffee with bleach, you'll be protected from coronavirus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, that's the sort of thing that Trump would say. Well, (laughs) interestingly, not to make this political, but there have been uh, questions as to how, yeah, how that uh, particular idea came into uh, fruition and passed down. But anyway. Let's talk about injecting bleach to stop it. Something like that. I remember reading on the news. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to sidestep away from that because I, I know this is public. So um, just just whilst I'm trying to be professional. But um, but yeah, I, and lots of other things. Things like, um, uh, you know, if you swallow garlic or you wear garlic, then that will prevent uh, transmission of coronavirus and so on. So anyway, so two things really. Um, so Producers Direct, as I said, with these partners have created some really um, – visuals so even if you can't read or write um it's clear uh some of the actions you can take like we know washing your hands um wearing a mask and so on um it also kind of aligns with some other activities that fair trade have been um uh been supporting which is where the fair trade premium during coronavirus has been made available essentially as a pot of money so that any co-op can apply for it to get um protective equipment and to um, you know, get things quickly that are going to help support them. Um, and of course, um, what was lovely is like um, we had other NGOs on the call as well. Um, so including Oxfam, who were really interested. They thought the materials were really clear and really engaging, and they wanted to use that to share with their supply chains too. So really, um, it, if you're interested in the project, um, you know, unfortunately, it's likely that you know, in a few months time, uh, it, it might still be necessary to kind of share this information that's helpful. So um, for anyone working in supply chains, um, you're welcome to either get in touch with me directly or just go on Producers Direct's website and they've got a COVID-19 section um, and it has a link to all the materials there. Um, so yeah, so that's just one of the things that we, you know, as Cafe Direct, working alongside Producer Direct, but other partners and other coffee companies as well, like Brilliant, like Union, um, Taylors and, and and others that you'll be familiar with. Um, we, you know, it's, it's what is exciting, as I keep coming back to you, is the opportunity to be collaborative. And, and I think from that point on, we're also hoping that um, the conversations we're having to help support producers with um, COVID are the same kinds of then conversations and initiatives we can work together as a community to support in terms of climate, which you know is also obviously prevalent as an issue. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um that's yeah, that sounds that sounds absolutely fantastic. Um thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Um it's been an absolute experience as well. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and I wonder if our listeners will be able to work it out um, behind the scenes um, how long this podcast has lasted. It's lasted <laughs> weeks. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had a podcast quite like it, Rock. So thank <laughs> you so much for this. Um, it has been it has been really interesting listening to um, you and um, Cafe Direct and what Cafe Direct do 
and more hell for um, organisations like yourselves to be in existence. So thank you. Thank you. No, thanks, Phil. It's been a real pleasure. Obviously, um, I would say, um, yeah, if, you, if if listeners want to know anything else, like obviously look on our website and um, the impact reports available. Um, and you know, try the coffee. Give us some feedback, and uh, it's all all available in your main retailers. Um, and we're really excited still to be working with uh, Green Element, obviously, and and getting getting understanding of our impact uh, from a carbon perspective, and and addressing that too. So it's uh, you know, it's thank you so much for inviting us on, Will. And um, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll just be your guest speaker every other month. You know, just uh, mix it up. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> he trembles in his boots. Um, yeah, and so we'll put on our website what ways are the best ways to get hold of you through Twitter, etc. It would be great to maybe link to your impact report mm-hmm. on the podcast as well. So thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, not at all. All right. <laughs> Take care.